Charlotte Simmons. Is Charlotte Simmons here? Oh, Simons. I'm sorry. Simons, of course. Well, I'm going to try to answer Charlotte's email today. That was a very good question that Charlotte sent. Um, Before I do that, I want you to hear a video. I know you won't won't be able to see the video, but you'll be able to hear the audio on the video. Um, Kind of, it, it, it relates to what we're going to be talking about. The question that Charlotte asked by email was, and I'm going to read the email because it's a great email. It's a great question. I'm going to read the whole email in a minute. But in general, the question is, how do we put together these two things, this, um, the fact that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, we're actually in the heavenly realm, and we actually do have all that we're going to ever have in terms of who we are as a person. We're not going to get any more righteous or any more holy that we, we can pass over to the heavens when we, when we leave this body without any further work done to us because God has made us complete in him, a new creation. Um, we can't be loved anymore. We can't be um, all those things. We can't be even any more of a son, any more of an heir. You know, all those things are maxed out. And Charlotte's question was, well, how do, the, how do we relate that awesome finished work to everyday life where, where it it's kind of stinks down here? <laughs> I mean, on earth, you know, people are, are mean, people are bad, people hurt people. I mean, people have car wrecks, people break their leg and playing soccer and, you know, all these troubles. People, we have to make a living. You know, it's always chasing after the buck to pay the rent. I mean, how do you put those two things together? So I want to just share some thoughts about that. Um, because we're not saying, you know, we're not preaching a gospel that says that, that unless your life is perfect, that you don't have enough faith and that kind of stuff. You know, years ago, the Word of Faith teachers taught that you could create your own reality here on earth. And if you didn't create the perfect life where you had no problems and no struggle and no nothing, that your faith was not big enough. Well, that's just not true. Um, Jesus said, in the world you shall have tribulation. It's the world. It's the fallen world. Um, they, they will do this to you and you will experience this because they know not me nor my Father. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. So let's talk about that this morning and how we can put that together in our minds and understand how we can truly walk in this other heavenly realm, this heavenly reality with a joy unspeakable and full of glory no matter what's happening around us. And I think that's what Charlotte was, was asking. So we'll talk about that. But before that, um, I want to share this audio that I got. Um, if you want to, ever want to check out GodTube, you know how they have, we have YouTube? There's a GodTube out there that's pretty cool. It's got every now and then they have some really cool stuff, music or teaching or whatever. And I got this GodTube video. This is a doctor who died was underwater for 30 minutes um, kayaking in, in Chile, and she died and then uh, came back and had a vision of heaven. And I, we hear about these things all the time, but this one particularly I felt really good about. This was really cool. You could tell her sincerity as she was talking to Marie Osmond. Marie Osmond has a talk show, and she was talking to Marie and, and sharing the story. She has a book out. You can buy a, a, a Dr. Mary Neal, N-E-A-L, um, to heaven and back or something like that. But anyway, I just want you to hear this. It's only about seven minutes, and uh, then we'll get into, I want to look at a few scriptures about this other thing we just talked about that I think will encourage everybody to, how to, how to view 
reality through the eyes of God, which is what the question's all about, how to, review, how to view reality through the eyes of God. Now, here's, here's the audio. Fourteen years ago, my next guest experienced a horrible accident while she was kayaking in Chile. Her near-death experience led her to finding new meaning for her life. And here to tell us about her miraculous story, would you please welcome New York Times best-selling author, To Heaven and Back, Dr. Mary Neal. Mary, it is an honor to meet you. It is my privilege. No, it's really my privilege. I want to get to some of the story quickly. Is it okay if I kind of just preface the beginning part by saying you were kayaking, you had an accident, the kayak went over and turned turned upside down, and you were underwater for how long? I was pinned at the bottom of a waterfall underneath the water for up to 30 minutes. It's a long time. That's a long time. Too long to still be alive. And as a doctor, you logically see all of that too you know i mean it's amazing now you died well i i was without oxygen for a long time but i am here talking to you so i well i (laughs) (laughs) but when i say when i say that you had that death experience your spirit left your body you had a out-of-body experience you absolutely you you literally died for a while and then came back i did and i had always feared a drowning death but during my death, I felt no fear. I felt wonderful. I, once I gave my life over to God and asked that God's will be done and meant it, I was held and comforted and reassured that everything would be fine, regardless of whether I lived or died. And I did feel my spirit leave my body as the current slowly sucked my body out of the boat. And I rose up and out of the river and was immediately greeted by a group of beings, spirits, angels. I'm never really quite sure what to call them because... Did they look like you? They had physical form. They did have a head and arms and legs. And I knew that I'd known them for as long as I existed. And I knew that they had known me and loved me as long as I had existed. But it's a funny thing because, of course, now I wish I'd taken notes and said, okay, now who are you? But at the time, it didn't matter because they were taking me down this exceptionally beautiful path toward this great dome structure that was exploding with not only beauty but this absolute uh, pure love of God. And I knew that that was... Uh, essentially the the point of no return. That was the entrance to heaven, God's kingdom, whatever you want to call it. And I could hardly wait to get there. Really? I could see my body. I could see the guys doing CPR. I had no desire to return, and I had this absolute sense of being home, of being where not only I really belong, but where we all really belong. And so I didn't want to take the time to figure out, okay, who are these people? They were taking me, and I thought, well, okay, we'll have plenty of time to catch up later. Mm-hmm. I want to get down the path as quickly as I can. I, you know, when you read uh, different experiences that people have, that's the, that's the common thing is that, wow, the feeling is amazing, and I don't want to go back. Yes, I, at this what? point, have talked to so many people, and no one wants to come back. 
Yeah. What sent you back? Well, my kids would say that I was kicked out. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, the reality is when I finally did arrive at this entrance hall of sorts and was ready to just dive over the threshold, uh, a sense of great disappointment sort of descended on everyone. And I was told that it wasn't my time, that I had more work to do, and I had to go back to my body. So I refused. <laughs> you didn't want to <laughs> Which come I back. thought was reasonable. I didn't want to come back. And that's really one of the reasons why I didn't talk about it for many years, because I didn't want my kids to, to understand that or hear that out of context. Now, you were, you were told that there was a reason that you had to come back, right? Yes, I was given some information about a number of reasons. I was really given a mandate to share my story with others, and I was also given information about my expected uh, response and behavior at the time that my oldest son would be killed. And so... How, how did you want to come back, <laughs> knowing that your child's life you were told that he was going to die? Yes. And how old was your child at this time? Uh, at the time, he was 10. And w- and you were told what age he would die? No, I was not told the details okay. in terms of the exact when or where or how. When my son was very young, four or five, he had told me actually that he wouldn't live until his 18th birthday. And really? when he told me that when he was young... The way he said it to me pierced me. And the way he said it made me feel like it was something real. And so when I was told about his death, uh, when I was sent back to my body, it didn't come as a surprise. It was something that I almost expected. Do you think God gives you those intuitive feelings to prepare you? I would say that for me it wasn't an, an intuitive feeling. It was an absolute sense of knowing. And, and your son did pass away. He did. He was hit by a car. And when that happened, uh, I, of course, spent those 10 years in between my experience and his death hoping that the plan for his life would change. But having an absolute trust in the promises of God to know that if the plan didn't change, then there would be great beauty, not only in his life, but great beauty in his death. To have that knowledge, Mary, does it make it easier somehow? The knowledge doesn't make it easier because I loved him. I still love him. I miss him. Uh, But what does make a difference is having had my experiences, I no longer had faith. My faith had made this transformation into a complete trust in the promises of God. I knew that... You moved from believing to knowing. Absolutely. And knowing that there really is life after death, knowing that God loves us completely and unconditionally and truly does have a plan for our future that's one of beauty allows me to not only face my daily life and challenges we all face, but face big things like the death of my son, 
with an absolute confidence that his life and his death is part of God's plan for this world. Time, and there is great beauty. Time is man's clock. It's not God's clock. Absolutely. And he does have a time for everything, even though it's difficult. Is that your story? Is that your purpose in telling and sharing that story? The mandate in sharing my story with others is, yes, to help them seek a relationship with God, but more importantly is through that relationship recognize that we don't need more proof. There's plenty of proof. There is life after death, which profoundly changes the way we approach every day, every moment, every human interaction, because it is part of this incredibly beautiful plan, even though we can't usually see the beauty. If I, didn't, close. If I didn't know that, life would be very difficult. But I know I'll see my parents again. I know I'll see yes. my son again. I, I can't imagine a God that wouldn't allow us to see the people we love again. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> For sharing your story. Isn't that awesome? It just came on my phone um, today, I think, this morning. So it's probably pretty recent. It could have been recorded on Marie Osmond. Is it Marie Osmond's uh, show? You know, I wouldn't say years ago, but maybe months ago. But um, I just, you know, I, you hear these things from time to time. But I really felt like that was that was a good one. Yes. You know, I just felt I bore wit- it bore witness with me that it was really real. She's a doctor. She was very real, very sincere. And she's written a book that we can maybe pick up if you guys want to buy one, but want to get one. But um, it's, um, I thought it would be appropriate. It came this morning, I think, on my phone, and I was going to do Charlotte's email. So I think it was really appropriate because the bottom line was she said the reality of heaven, the reality of God's love, the reality of of, um, where we're going uh, ultimately when we leave this body is so awesome that no matter what we go through in this life, even the death of our loved ones, she said, you can cope with it. You can live with it knowing that God is with us and God knows all. You know, so that's the reason I wanted to play that. Because I wanted to answer, if I could. Wow, Janie. That's cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, Janie. Yeah, you know, it's <clears throat> this whole thing about, you know, who we really are, the new creation in a body, um, is just so real. Um, and when Paul says absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, I mean, it's a reality. And um, and I love I love what she said about how when she neared death, when she was felt her spirit leaving her body, that she had no fear whatsoever, and and that she felt comforted and and so forth. I think I think of Corrie Ten Boom, how when she was a young girl, she was afraid during the the Nazi persecution, you know, and she asked her dad, you know, she she she, she told her father, I don't know if I could die if if the Nazis came and got us, I would be afraid. And her father asked Corrie Ten Boom. Um, Corey, when, when we go take a train ride, when do I give you the ticket to get on the train? And uh, Corey said, um, just before we get on the train, Daddy. And he said, that's how it is with God's grace. You may not at this moment have the grace to die because you're not going to die. You're not getting on the train. 
But when she got on the train, she got the ticket. And that's what will happen to us. No matter what we're going through, not just dying, but hard things, God sees ahead. And we'll have grace to go through them. If you try to measure what you're feeling now in this room with some challenge, you may think, oh, I'm not going to be able to handle that. But when the time comes... God is good and faithful. He'll give us the grace. He'll give us the strength. He'll give us the life. He'll give us the encouragement to walk through that in, a, in an amazing way. And that's exactly what happened to Corey Tin Boom. So anyway, let's, let's look at, I want to hear, I want to read uh, Charlotte's email and then try to answer some of these things. Uh, very good question. Very good email about these issues. Do you mind me if I read every word? Okay. Even the part about your laundry and stuff? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. You didn't say anything about that. James, I'm having a hard time understanding this statement. Uh, we are seated with him in heaven, and you have all you will have right now on earth. You will not get more when you go to heaven. I just can't understand why heaven is not better than what we have now. I'm not talking crowns and best room or house in heaven. I think that first just being in heaven and seeing God and Jesus face to face is all the glory I'll be able to handle. But this heaven on earth is giving me a lot of problems. This earth is not a nice place. Very bad things happen all the time. Our children are not saved and are running as far from God as they can. Horrible deaths await small children all over the world. Justice seems far away from daily life. Maybe I'm just not understanding, but I believe that there will be no sorrow and, and death and horror in heaven. And I, I see all that around me all the time. How can we be seated with him and have all, we, have all we will have right now in these flesh bodies? Maybe it's my Baptist background, but I, I just want the bad to be punished, the evil to be put under Jesus' feet and God to reign in glory so that the whole earth sees and bows down to the Lord of Lords. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amen. I, I don't think that's Baptist. That's just truth. Um, do you have time to answer this for me um, uh, or address it in the class sometimes? I would love to understand. Thank you. Awesome. Isn't that a great email? Yes. yes. All right. Let's talk about that for a second. Um, let's look at Hebrews chapter, chapter 2. And remember the verse that we, um, that we just quoted. I think it's Gospel of John 14 or something like that. Um, but it says where Jesus says, In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. That's the perspective we need to have. Jesus said that in the world that his followers would be persecuted and some would be put to death. He said, I tell you this ahead of time so you're not offended, so you're not uh, troubled by it when it happens. Um, Peter addressed the believer in his letter, and he said, Think it not strange, the fiery trial that is happening among you. They were being persecuted. Um, their property was being, were being, was being confiscated. And Peter addressed that to the believers and said, Think it, this is not a strange thing. This is a mark that you belong to him. This is the mark that you belong to him, that this world rejects you and that hates you and fights against you. So it's a mark that you are one of his kids on earth in this fallen world. So, Jesus taught the apostles, the apostles taught the church to beware that the, what we're going to experience in heaven is going to be a billion times better than the experience we experience here on earth. Revelation talks about the time when we enter heaven, we're in, that, in that realm when we have fully entered in that other realm, leaving these bodies, um, that there will be no pain, no sorrow, 
No more tears. Revelation talks about this incredible. I love how she said as she approached this like a dome thing that it was exploding. She used the word exploding with beauty and God's love exploding like fireworks almost. I can imagine some beauty like that just as you're approaching this awesome, you know, reality of, of his kingdom. But now what we have within us, and that's the key. Paul said the kingdom of heaven has come, but it is within us. It is in the spirit. This is the, the key to understanding all this is that we have been we have literally, Colossians says, and we'll read that in a second, I think, we have literally been translated the moment you believe in Jesus. Now, those who do not believe in Jesus are not translated into the Spirit. You cannot receive the Spirit unless you receive Jesus. Um, people are not naturally born in Christ. There's a teaching that's out there that circulates from time to time that everybody who is born is born in Christ. Christ is in them. They just need to recognize it. They just need to come to the awareness that they're that we're all children of God and that Christ is in all of us. That's not true. Um, Jesus said that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. There must be a, uh, a transference, a, a translation through faith. Uh, unless you're born again, Jesus said you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Um, but it happens when some, someone puts their faith in Jesus and believes simply that he took their judgment for all their sin. That is the simple gospel that he is the son of the living God. And that he himself took my judgment for all my sin, past, present, future, everything. And then when that simple faith in him, when we cease to trust in our own righteousness and cease to trust in our own morality, and we cease to trust in our own good works, and we simply put all our trust in him, and we believe that only he and he alone can give us the gift of righteousness, his own righteousness, that simple act of faith brings the miracle, and the miracle takes place. God then counts you as righteous because of your faith and faith alone. And then the miracle happens. He not, not only just imputes faith to you as a new creation believer, as a new covenant believer, because the old covenant believers had only imputed faith. They believed and God counted it as righteousness, but they died and went to Sheol, awaiting into Abraham's bosom, awaiting for the sacrifice to be offered on the earth because it could not pass into the heavens. Nobody went into the heavens until Jesus came. In fact, Jesus said to John, I know you've said this before, but Jesus said to John, no man has ever entered into heaven. No man. No man. Except the Son of Man who has descended from heaven. So he has to have preeminence in all things. He was the first man to actually enter heaven. First fully man, fully God into heaven. And so that's why when he was on the cross, he said, this day you shall be with me in paradise to the thief because he was going to descend. The scripture says first he descended and then he ascended that he might fill all things. So he descended to Abraham's bosom first to release the saints who had only imputed righteousness but not imparted righteousness. And then in a moment they were created new in him and a great miracle. And he brought them from Hades or Sheol, the same, same place, different Greek, Hebrew words for it. He brought them through. He took captivity captive is what Paul said. He brought them through that realm and brought them up. He had already ascended to the Father. He was the first man. But then he comes with, they come, like come behind him. And the scripture says when they came behind him, some of those saints actually came out of their tombs and went to their relatives and their friends and said, he has released us from Sheol. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. And they would disappear. That's awesome. In the book, in the gospel of Luke, it talks about these that would appear to their families and say, he has released us. He is the one. And they would just disappear and go on to be in the heavens. So the, um, 
the reality is that you have to receive the Spirit. You have to believe on Him. Um, and we have not just imputed righteousness, but as a new creation, we have not only imputed. This is the beauty of the awesomeness of the new creation. He still imputes righteousness by faith because it's not something you earn. It's a gift. So it's imputed righteousness. But because you are considered righteous, because of your faith in Jesus, then he can take the next step and do the next thing that could not be done before Jesus came. And that is he could create us new through the resurrection of Christ. Jesus had not yet been uh, offered as the offering on the earth, nor has he, had, had he been raised from the dead as a man. So now through Jesus, who, is, who has the spirit of man in him as a, full, as a real man, but also the spirit of God without measure in union with his human spirit, now God has a way to connect with the human spirit directly. It's like this. It's like if you have, uh, uh, what's the voltage, 110? And 220, what's the? 220. 220. And, what, and this is like, one, there's a voltage like 110? Yes. 120 and 240. Oh, okay. 220 and? I'm a lawyer, I have no idea. 120 and? 2 what? 240. Is that right? Who's the electrician? Oh, perfect. Thank you, man. Thanks, bud. Okay. In the same way, we're like, we're like 120 volts as, as a human being. God is 240. He could not d- connect us directly. It would blow the circuit. So God had to have a, an adapter, so to speak, who was both 120 and 240. That's Jesus. That's our Lord. And so a human spirit raised from the dead, exalted, the Holy Spirit could flow through Christ himself into us and be joined to him. That was not possible until Jesus was raised from the dead. So you and I have not just imputed righteousness, but imparted righteousness. It's a new creation that has been raised up, a new creation. That's why you and I have this awesome reality that you are literally in the heavenly realm. See, the other believers who were had imputed righteousness only, like Abraham and David and so forth, they didn't have any access to the, to the heavenly realm. They were not in union with God. They couldn't be. They had, at times the Spirit would come upon them and lift and come upon them and lift to do certain things, but it was not a regenerative kind of union. The Gospel of John says that the Holy Spirit could not yet be given in a regenerative way until Christ was glorified. So the very fact that the Holy Spirit is inside of you is evidence that he has been glorified, that he sits on the right hand of God, and you're in union with him, which is awesome. Okay, so the key to this thing, I think, saints, is to understand that we have been translated, Colossians says we've been translated or delivered from the realm of this darkness of the earthly realm into the realm of God, into the heavenly realm, okay? It's in the Spirit that this that is where heaven is now on earth. It is in the spirit. And in the spirit, Paul says, the kingdom of heaven is within you. Righteousness, peace, and joy inside of you. Which is why, that's why Paul could sing in the prison and rejoice in his outward circumstances looking horrible. But he could rejoice and sing because within, he really knew that he was actually there. And God was not far away. He was with God. And God was with him in that prison. And he really had a reality that was just overwhelming inside of him that no matter what happens, he's with God and God is with him. 
This is what Paul wants us to have in that, in that, that reality of a death and a resurrection in Christ and an ascension in Christ. For we now sit with him in heavenly places. That doesn't mean we're going to have you know, no problems in life and that kind of thing. But what happens is that we have now the authority as sons and daughters of God to pray and ask for things. We have the power in Christ to resist evil. We have the revelation to stand in the evil day, that we would be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. We have the power to see prayers answered. We see Him uh, come through and, and manifest the invisible through us. See, that's, the Lord loved to manifest this invisible kingdom. That's why He said that time, He said um, um, to that man who was lame, and He said, Your sins are forgiven you. And then they murmured, you know, the Pharisees murmured and said, who can forgive sins but God himself? And he said, that's, he goes, that's it's something, I know it's something you can't see with your eyes, the forgiveness of sins. But so that you might know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, I'm going to say something now that, will, that you can see with your, your natural eye. So then he said, which is easier to say, your sins be forgiven or rise up and walk? Same words, same breath. Which is easier to say, he said. So he said, that you might know the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins on earth. An invisible reality you cannot see. I'll give you something you can see. Rise up and walk. And he rose up and walk, walked. And the Pharisees were like amazed. Like, oh my gosh, he's, he, he, he does apparently have the authority to forgive sins if he has the authority to do that. We saw that with our natural eyes. So this, this invisible reality is what God wants us to, to grow in. All right, let me share this. Let's look, look at this in Hebrews real quick, and, the, and then I want to move to another verse. Does this make it sense so far? Okay, cool. Let's, Hebrews chapter 2. Let's start with... Look at verse 8. Let's just chapter 2, verse 8. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in subjecting all things to him, this is referring to Christ, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But now, now in this present world, we do not yet see all things subjected to him with our eyes. We don't see because we still see evil. We still see murderers. We still see um, the power of, of Satan. John said, that the whole world lies in the power of the wicked one. So although all things have been subjected to him, we do not yet see it in manifestation yet. Verse 9, but we do see him, and that's the key. We do see him. Our eyes are on him, not on whether these things are doing what they ought to be doing yet or not. We do see him. Verse 9, but we do see him who has been made for a little while lower than the angels as a man, Jesus, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that the grace of God, by the grace of God, that he might taste death for everyone. Now turn to Hebrews chapter 10, please. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10. Uh, let's just start, I guess, start with verse 11 is good. Chapter 10, verse 11. 
And every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. This is a reference to the Old Covenant. Verse 12. But he, Jesus, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God. Right hand of God is a reference to the authority of God. At the right hand of God. Verse 13. Waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. See, waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. So what's happening is all things have been subjected to him. But we do not yet see all enemies subjected to him in our, with our natural eyes in this realm yet. So what we are to do here as his sons and daughters... He said, you shall be my witnesses, be my witnesses. So as witnesses of his exaltation, we proclaim him Lord of all. We proclaim him as ruler of all, Lord of lords and king of kings. And though they slay us, though they persecute us, the witness goes out. Because the witness must go out unto all the world. The scripture says, for the witness of this kingdom, this realm, and this king shall go out into all the world, and then shall the end come. So it's not a matter of, we're not, don't have in your minds that we're supposed to uh, convert the world. And that, you know, why isn't this thing working? You know, this world is getting worse and worse. Why can't, why isn't the kingdom being manifested more and more in this? See, that's wrong thinking because Jesus said, and Paul said, evil men would wax worse and worse. That the, this, this world's not going to get better and better. The prophet said it'll get worse and worse. In fact, Jesus said it'd be like a, 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 a mother giving a birth to a baby. The birth pangs will, go, will increase. Even the earth itself will begin to convulse. Jesus said earthquakes will increase and uh, pestilence will spread and various rumors of war and war. Right now we're in the middle of a rumor of war from North Korea. A nuclear war is supposed to be unleashed on Wednesday. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, this is, we're in the middle of a, a world that's going to hell in a handbasket, basically. So don't think that this world is supposed to get better. It's not. It's, in fact, it's supposed to, it, it, the way God's doing this is he letting, he's letting evil go to its full. That's how, that's how he works. That's why he didn't come, that's why he didn't bring Israel into the promised land for 400 some odd years. Because he, the scripture says he let the Canaanites' evil come to its fullness. And then when he comes in, it's just a contrast and God is like, his justice comes in and boom. So in the same way, we're in a situation where we are the lights, we're the lighthouses, we're the witnesses of this other realm of this awesome God who so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that we call out all the day long. We beseech people as Christ is inside of us, Christ in us is beseeching people, be reconciled to God for he has reconciled himself to you, to the whole world. He's done it. And that as we are witnesses of this awesome reality. He will be with us. He will be with us as he was with Paul, strengthening Paul as he, as he said, in Rome, you must testify of me, of me in Rome also, Paul. So even, um, even no matter what you're going through, remember that his, his whole purpose is to reveal um, himself through us to the world. And it's not really an issue of, of, of us having everything working around us perfect. It's really an issue of us being a witness to his reality. Does that make sense? But for you, saint, for you, son and daughter of God, you have the bread of heaven to eat. 
you have within. See, the reality within is awesome. It is the Spirit of God wants to renew our minds to this awesome reality. And now let's look at Colossians. This is amazing how Paul saw this. And he, he's trying to communicate this to us so that we would have, have encouragement. Col- let's first look at Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 verse 9. For this reason also, Colossians chapter 1 verse 9, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, heard of your faith, we have not ceased to pray for you, to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he delivered us or translated us from the domain of darkness or the kingdom of darkness and transferred or translated us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Awesome? Now, look at this chapter. Let's look over chapter 3 of Colossians. Chapter 3 of Colossians. Well, actually, back up to chapter 2 and verse 20. Chapter 2, verse 20 of Colossians. If you have died with Christ, which you have. As a believer, we have been crucified with Christ. We've been raised with Him. It's the great mystery of your own death and resurrection through His death and resurrection. Verse 20, if you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were still living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees such as do not handle that, do not taste that, do not touch that? See, Paul was saying all these rules of religion are meaningless to you now. It's not about touching and tasting and not doing this. And it's it's not a matter that that's that's not the reality. Look at this. It's so beautiful. Verse 22. Which all refer to things destined to perish with the using. In other words, it's, it's of this world. It's of this creation. In accordance with the commandments and teachings of men. Verse 23. These are matters which have to be sure the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion. And self-abasement. And severe treatment of the body. But are of no value against fleshly indulgence. See, all these religious things that people put on other people to, to be more holy or be more righteous. He says, why do you still submit yourself to that kind of stuff if you're a dead man? You're a dead man. You died. You die. If you died, then what are you, why are you living as if you're still in this world? It's awesome. Why are you relating to this world as if you are still alive? You die to this world. All the rules, all the religion, all the self-abasement to try to get uh, brownie points with God, all that stuff, it has no value against the flesh. It has no value. Okay? It's so beautiful. Look at verse, now look at chapter 3, verse 1. Now look at chapter, chapter 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised up with Christ. First he says, if, you've been, if you died with Christ, why are you relating to the world as if you're still alive on this world, in this earth? Now, if you have been raised with Christ, which you have, keep seeking the things above, the heavenly realities, where Christ is, seated, with, seated after 
I'm sorry, seated at the right hand of God, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. Notice how he says that, the things that are on earth, as if you're not there. Isn't that cool? Why? It's like if you were... It's like if you're on this, a beautiful planet in our solar system, if, if we had a, another beautiful planet, which we don't. But if you had a beautiful planet in our solar system, and you were on that planet, call it the planet of glory. Who said that? That's good. Planet glory. Planet glory. As if you were on that planet, and it, it's awesome, awesome reality. Paul, in effect, is saying, why are you still thinking about things back on earth where you came from? Why are you setting your minds on the way that things that happen? You're in a different realm, a different planet, so to speak. See, look at that. This is beautiful. Set your mind on the things above where you are, seated with him in heavenly places. That's the heavenly reality. Not on the things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Verse four. This is an invisible reality. But, verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, when he comes back, his second coming, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. In other words, when he is revealed in the skies, then all of the sons and daughters of God who are invisible to this world will come, will be revealed in glory, and the world will know that the whole time they were his children. They were the sons and daughters of God that were among us, that were witnessing to us of this kingdom. Awesome. Verse 5. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body. There it is again. Consider the members of your earthly body. Consider the members of the body that's back on that other planet. You see that? Consider the members of your earthly body that's back there on that other planet as dead. To immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is on account of these things that the wrath of God will come. In other words, this, there is a judgment coming for all, all those who are not in Him, whose life is not hidden with Christ in God. So you don't want to be a part of all that fleshly stuff because that's why the judgment's coming. Verse 7. And in them also, you also once walked. We were also part of that. We once walked in that when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old man with its evil practices. Because the old man died. And have put on the new man who is being renewed to a true knowledge That word in the Greek means by revelation, true knowledge, by revelation, a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. So the new man has been created in the image of the risen Christ. So the new man is being renewed by the spirit of life because remember Jesus said, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The law of the spirit of life works in the believer. Why? How? Because life has light. His light, the life of God gives off light, supernatural light, God light, the light, the light, the light, which renews the mind. And that's why the mindset on these things is life and peace, but the mindset on the flesh is death. Look at this. So the true knowledge of of Christ himself is being revealed to the new man. And we find ourselves manifesting who we really are in him, for we have been created in his likeness. And wrapping it up right here, verse 11 
In this renewal, there is no Greek or Jew or circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, freeman, but Christ is all and in all. Isn't that awesome? Because it's not a matter of the natural. It's not a matter of race, religion, race or, or creed or money or status in life. None of that matters because now it's spiritual. It's all is Christ and Christ is in all. And this is the mind we're to have. This is the, the apostle urging us to see this awesome translation from this realm to another realm. It has to do with the authority. You've been released from the domain of Satan, from the domain of this world. And now you have come under the domain of the beloved son with his name. You have his ring. You have his ring. And so we as witnesses in a fallen world can rest. Though in this world we have tribulation, we can be of good cheer for he has overcome the world. And be of good cheer is a, is a powerful statement. Be of good cheer no matter what's happening around for I have overcome the world and I've brought you with me that you may be where I am. I have prepared a place for you in myself that you may be where I am and I will be where you are on earth. For lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Awesome. Lord, thank you so much for helping us see this reality, this awesome reality in the spirit. We are always in the spirit because we are always in Christ. Help us to set our minds on these heavenly realities and encourage the brothers and sisters of this reality that we may be a witness of this unseen reality, calling all men to believe. Thank you, Father, for the encouragement you give us every single day. Thank you for the blue sky. Thank you for the answers to prayer. Thank you for your love, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.